Well, teenagers are awesome. And I, I am paid to say that as the youth pastor here, but it's true. Teenagers are awesome. Sometimes when I tell people about my job, I forget how ridiculous it is until I describe it when I'm like, well, what did you do for work this week? Well, I blindfolded some people and had them reach their hands into various objects and try to guess what they were, be it refried beans or a, a donut with cream filling uh, or what have you, uh, only after forcing them to remain in an enclosure that slowly shrank as they tried to get a group of people to stay there. Not to mention the other times where they've gone fishing for grapes inside baked beans or other various examples. Now, we don't always do ridiculous things like that, but teenagers will do stuff like that where some of you may not. And I love that about teenagers because they're willing to go places that sometimes as adults we're not willing to go, but they're also willing on the drop of a hat to turn serious and go to places, again, sometimes as adults we're unwilling to go. Teenagers, man, they are fantastic, and you've got to love them. And if you've raised one, if you've parented one, if you've been in charge of one, before I came to ECC, I knew a young man, and uh, he went through some stuff at home, and because of those circumstances, he had to find somewhere else to live because he was living in a situation that was not good for him. And Bethany and I, in our younger years, we thought, you know, We'll invite him in. He can stay with us for a while. And, you know, how hard can it be, an eighth grader going on ninth grade? And uh, I honestly was talking to Bethany, my wife, today about it. And I remember almost nothing from the 10 months that he lived with us because I blocked all of it out. I genuinely have no memories. But I do know that I started those 10 months with no gray hairs. And I ended with my first patch of gray hairs. Because teenagers are awesome and amazing. And they're different than adults. They're on their way to adults, but there are some things that happen as teenagers that are a lot of fun and cause the people that are in charge of them a little bit of stress. And I experienced that firsthand. So young people bring a spice to life. They bring a willingness to try new things that some of us are not quite ready to do anymore. That is essential and powerful and highlights the transition that they're going through from kids to adults. And it can be challenging for their parents. And I know this because I was a teenager. Now, uh, I don't know. We have some college students with us. Uh, welcome. Please don't do what I'm about to describe. But uh, when I was a freshman in college, I experienced some of this firsthand. My roommate uh, lived in Chicago, and he and I went back to his house for the break between Christmas and New Year's. And we got there, and within 10 hours of being there, we met up with some of his high school friends and they had some leftover fireworks, and we're just driving around, and we're like, what should we do with the fireworks? And so we drive past the trash can, and we're like, let's put a firework in the trash can. <laughs> that was funny. And then we drive some more, and we see a light-up uh, reindeer, you know, like the ones with the, the like, little reindeer with the white lights. Uh, and we're like, well, let's put a firework in the reindeer. <laughs> All the lights in the house go out. We're like, oh, shoot, get in the car. Go, 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 go. We drive away. And as we're driving, one of the friends calls. We're like feeling like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have done that. We get a phone call. It's like, hey, guys, drive past the trash can. And as we drive to the trash can, we hear sirens. And we look, and the entire trash can is just engulfed in flame, and there's a fire hose. Like, and we're like, oh, boy. And we find out later that weekend through a news article that people thought there were vandals around Glen Ellen, Illinois, because of the experiences that we had. And I sat in the back of this car the whole time being like, this was not my idea. I did not do this. These are not my friends. But <laughs> That is the experience of being a teenager and raising a teenager. Whether or not 
you mean to, sometimes you get in situations that are a lot of fun, but when you think about them, you're like, oh, shoot, maybe we shouldn't have done that. Maybe that wasn't the best idea. And for parents, sometimes you don't know all that you don't know, but when you find out about it, the gray hairs begin to emerge. Man, it is really adventurous, really fun, and really hard to be a teenager and to raise a teenager. Let me give you another example. When I was in high school, I was dating a girl that lived about a half hour drive from my house. And I don't know if you had this when you guys were teenagers, but I had a curfew. There was a time I was supposed to be home. And me and my dad did not agree on when that curfew was. And I remember one night when I was out past my curfew, driving home, it was late, I was tired, and I was driving the curvy roads of New Jersey. And I remember just kind of like feeling tired. And then all of a sudden I opened my eyes and I'm going 15 miles an hour in a 45 on the wrong side of the road. And I don't remember the last 15 minutes, but there were definitely curves. And I go, oh boy, and roll all my windows down and drive home the rest of the 20 minutes home like this. And I'm like, oh, that's why I have a curfew. Oh, that's interesting. Maybe my dad was right about something. But no, this was a one-time thing. It'll be fine. See, the challenge is that teenagers are not trying to push the limits. I thought I was fine to drive myself home. I thought, yes, it's a good rule, but I can take care of myself. And that's true until it isn't. It is challenging as a parent to know what rules to set and when to let boundaries grow and when not to. And it's challenging as a teenager knowing how to live out your expanding repertoire of responsibility and when to just fold and listen. It's challenging going through the teen years, and it's not just me that says it. If you look at the American Psychological Association, it highlights this, that the common problem areas, the common uh, areas of tension between a parent and a teen involve disputes over the teen's curfew, the teen's choice of friends, spending time with the family versus peers, school and work performance, cars and driving privileges, dating and sexuality, clothing, hairstyles, and makeup, and self-destructive behaviors such as smoking, drinking, and using drugs. It is tough to parent a teenager and to be a teenager because all of those exist in some way or some form for our teens. And our parents have to figure out how to help them through those and give them ever-increasing responsibility to do it themselves. And Pew Research highlights that while all of that is true, there are also some things that are true for many of our teenagers today. Anxiety and depression or serious mental stress of varying kinds are truth for ever-increasing numbers of our teenagers. Alcohol and drugs are, are in the same vein, where just as anxiety and depression are prevalent, so are exposure to alcohol and drugs or using them. Bullying and cyberbullying are commonplace. And for some teens, it even goes as far as gangs and poverty and teen pregnancy. This list highlights some of the bigger things that some teenagers have to go through. And, and there's big things on that list, like drugs and alcohol and, and pregnancy and like real things that can mess up your life. But it doesn't list all the things that are smaller than that but can feel enormous. It doesn't list things like college worries, getting your first job, getting your license. And it doesn't list the things that we on the outside sometimes look at as little. But if you've been through them and you think about it, they're enormous. Like the first time you like somebody and they don't like you back, or the first time they do. 
like feeling like nobody understands you. Like feeling like you're alone in your class or in your school. Or being ghosted by your friends that you thought were your people for the last 10 years of your life. Or going home and feeling like home is no different than school. Parents are trying to walk their teens through these years. They're trying to support them and figuring out, hey, we're trying, as Pastor Chris said in week one, to raise adults, not children. And so we have to figure out how do we give them responsibility, but at the same time protect them. It is a challenge. And we are in a series right now where we are looking at the different stages of life and asking, how do we see people in that stage? And where does God want to move? And what does God want to do in that season and through that season? And today, if you can't tell, we're focusing in on the teen years, both for our teenagers and for the people that are responsible to raise them. And like I said, every teen at our church doesn't struggle with everything on that list. But there is absolutely a tension for every teenager regarding a lot of these things and for every parent on how do we work through these kinds of issues. As I said, the tension for parents is this. We want to protect our kids and let them be kids as long as they possibly can. And yet we want them to be adults and grow into adulthood. And so how do we both treat them like adults and like their kids? When do we treat them like kids and when do we treat them like adults? How do we go for the moments where they screw up being adults because they're still kids, but they're trying to be adults and we're telling them to be adults, but they're not there yet? I don't know the answer to that, unfortunately. I don't have a perfect plan for you today. I don't know how to get our kids to hold on to the last bits of childhood without forcing them to become adults before they're ready. These are essential questions. And if you want to sit down and talk about it, I hope we can get a step toward that. But what I can do today is point us towards something that I think leads us toward the answers to those questions, that maybe sets us on a path toward what God has for us as teenagers and as parents. And we find our verse for today in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. If you'll read with me, it goes like this. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have long life on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. You know, this is the part where all the teenagers in the room give up on listening because they say, great, Dan's going to spend the rest of his time telling me I should obey my parents and yell at me for not doing it. I love it here. And that's why I'm not going to do that. In fact, I'm not going to start with these verses at all because to get to the command that we have in these verses, you have to understand what comes first. I think it's important to know why these verses are here. And if we rewind just a little bit to the beginning of the chapter before, we will see that Paul gives us some really good reasons to do what he's calling us to do in chapter 6. See, if we rewind to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, it says this, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. See, our verses in chapter 6 are built on the reality of chapter 5. Paul builds on the details of what imitating God actually looks like when he gets to chapter 6. And honestly, 
if we followed all the therefores and the so that's that come before chapter five, that chapter five is built on, we could go all the way back to the beginning of the book of Ephesians. Because at the beginning, in chapter one, verse five, we see that all of this is built on the fact that God graciously, through his divine plan, has adopted us as his children into his family through Jesus Christ. Because of that, because we have been brought into God's family, we are to imitate him. Because of that, we are to do what looks like imitating him, which are the commands that are given here in chapter 6. The command for fathers, and the commands for husbands, and for wives, and for slaves, and for masters, all of it is built on the foundation of being adopted into the family of God. There's a reason for our teenagers, for children, to honor their parents. And that reason's because they're part of the family of God. And there's reason for parents not to drive their children to anger, not to exacerbate them. It's because they're a part of the kingdom of God adopted into his family. The reason is because you're adopted by God. That's your first blank. And it's honestly the reason for this, and it's the reason for everything. The reason that we are to respond in faith is because we've been adopted by God into his family. We are now children of the Most High. And we must respond in the way that is appropriate as his children. What we learn when we learn to honor our parents, and what we learn when we learn to raise our children without driving them to anger, are things that are true in the family of God, that are true of being children of God. The principles and practices of honor apply not only to the parent-child relationship, but they apply to being children of the Father, children of God. Honestly, this applies to all of us, whether we're children of teen- or parents of che- teenagers or children of parents, whether those teenagers ourselves, or somewhere just looking in on the chaos that that is. All of us can learn from what we're going to look at today. And so now that we've set the foundation, now that we're reminded that the reason is because we were adopted by God into his family, now we can turn our attention back to Ephesians chapter 6. Let me read those verses for you again. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. Now, the first thing that stands out to me is where it starts to not get so fun for kids, for teens, for people that have parents. And it's the thing that, I experienced when I was a teenager. If you, like me, um, had to memorize the Ten Commandments, as I was asked to do or encouraged to do or coerced to do or forced to do as a child, the language here in Ephesians isn't just honor. The commandment in Deuteronomy is honor your father and mother. And while honor is quoted here, there's another word that is brought in before that, obedience. And it's interesting that these two are paired together. Let's talk a little bit about honor and obedience. See, honor is not something we are great at in our country, at least not in the culture that I've grown up in. Honor is something that I look at other cultures, and they have it innately built into the way that they're wired. And when I look at my family tradition and the way I was raised, there is some emphasis on treating your parents well and on honoring your elders, but nothing compared to what I see in some other cultures. There is an innate reverence and respect that 
some of my friends who come from different cultures have for their elders that is somewhat foreign to me. I, I love and respect my parents, but not in the way that they do, that is natural for them. And I think maybe we have something to learn from people like that. Because the command here in Ephesians and the command in Deuteronomy is to honor. And this idea of honor is that there is a reverence, there is a deference, there is an esteem, there is a worth ascribed to our elders and people in the position of parents that comes innate with them being our elders and our parents. The fact that someone is your parent puts them in a position where you are to give them honor and respect. I'll admit, when I was a kid, I didn't naturally go to thinking to the things my parents did for me. It wasn't really until I had my own kids that I realized actually what it means to bring a child into the world and then have to keep them alive. The number of hours of sleep, the number of dollars spent not on the things that you want, but on diapers and wipes and all kinds of nonsense, not to mention once they get into sports and all of the other things, it is a crazy amount. And I can't even articulate how your life literally changes course when you have children. And as a kid, you don't recognize that. It is hard to put weight to that. Part of honoring means recognizing what your parents have done and treating them like they've done that. What doesn't work is when we lose sight of that, and it feels like we as the children are the ones deserving of honor and respect. Yes, we deserve to be respected as human beings. Ephesians says to submit to one another in brotherly love. So there is a mutual submission and reverence. But it's different for your parents than it is for you. Things can get messy when we flip it the wrong way around. And speaking of messy, I want to pause and acknowledge a tension point here. And that's that not all of us have parents that seem worthy of honor and respect. Some of us have been hurt by our parents. Some of our parents have done really, really shameful things. Some have been absent entirely or even worse. And if that's the case for you, I want to say I'm sorry. I can't imagine listening to a sermon about honoring your parents and having to wrestle with that experience. And I know that it changes the situation for you. If that's your situation, I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to have a conversation and work out together what honor means for you, what respect means for you, what obedience means for you. I know a simple answer to a complicated issue can cause a lot of harm. And so rather than give that, for now, I'll say this. At a baseline, our parents deserve respect and civility. That is what honor looks like across the board, no matter what. If you have a parent, they deserve to be treated with respect and honor and civility as your parent. And if they have done things that diminish that, that might change things, but they still deserve that base level. And things do get complicated. Whether you have good parents or parents that don't look quite as good, Honoring means giving appropriate value to. It means ascribing appropriate value to and respecting and giving uh, deference. And as the passage reveals, it also means obedience. Paul uses the language of obey your parents before he uses that of honor them. And so obedience 
is a necessary part of honoring your parents. And that means we can't dismiss this idea of obedience from the command and the promise. Paul links obedience with the promise of a long life in the land, of good things. If we want to experience the blessings that come with this promise in Ephesians and in Deuteronomy 6, then obedience to our parents is an expectation. But we don't always agree with our parents. I was a teenager, and sometimes I was right. I'm a parent, and I'm the first one to say, I'm not right all the time. And my kids are little. It gets way more complicated as they get older. The words of Scripture aren't always agree with your parents, or even always believe that your parents have made the right decision. They're not even always believe that your parents are the best people in the world. The words of Scripture are honor your father and mother. And here in Ephesians chapter 6, obey your father and mother. The truth is no parent is perfect, and some of us prove that more than others. And as teenagers, you're not required to believe your parents are right about everything, but you are required to obey them when it does not conflict to what God has called you to do. And that's tough. Because part of the way that you show your parents honor and love is by listening to what they tell you and doing it. It is not a loving thing for me to do, to stay out till 2 a.m. and drive home just because I think I can when I know my parents are at home worried about my safety, and concerned that I'm going to make it. It's just not honoring. I might have not had any long-term issues from driving home late at night. First of all, I got lucky. And second of all, it's not about that. It's about me honoring my parents by doing what they've asked me to do, even if it inconveniences me. That is what honoring your parents looks like. And it isn't honoring when you disobey and express command. And when you do disagree with your parents... That is where civility and respect have to reign supreme. We can disagree without the eye roll and the anger and just say, Dad, shoot, I don't think this is the right call. I'll do it because you're my dad, but I don't like it. Disobedience is the in-case-of-emergency break glass. It is not the, I don't want to do this, so I love you, Dad. I respect you, but see ya. It's not the answer we're looking for. You know, I was talking to one of the wisest people in my li- my life, my life, my wife, earlier today, and she had a great point. She said that it, when it comes to disobeying your disobeying your parents, when it comes to not obeying them, if you're the person who thinks that they're wrong and nobody else agrees with you, you're probably wrong, right? If you're like, I don't want to do what my dad said, it sounds dumb, and you're the only person saying that, is you're the problem. And if it's just you and your group of friends, if it's just you and your peers, if all the kids are like, yeah, your dad's the worst, don't listen to your mom, you guys probably need to expand your counselors to a bigger group because you're probably wrong too. Just because you and your friends don't like it is not a good reason to disobey your parents. Just because you and your friends don't like it is not a good reason to disobey your parents. And to understand where there are those circumstances that the right thing is not to do what you're, the honoring thing is not to obey your parents. Shoot, that's where you need other adults in your life. That's where you need trusted mentors and people. Because if all the adults in your life are saying, what your dad is telling you to do is not right, it is wrong, it is dangerous, that's when the honoring thing may be 
and say, Dad, everyone in my life is telling me this. Everyone in my life is telling me this. I don't know if I can do what you're telling me to do. Obedience and honor go hand in hand. And 99% of the time, it's the same thing. The truth is, it's not, even, it's not easier to live out the commands to parents than it is to teenagers. What Paul calls teenagers to do is tough. It's hard to obey your parents. It's hard to honor them. I've been a teenager. But it's also really hard to raise a teenager without driving them crazy. It's also really hard not to make your kids angry by enforcing the commands that you think are right, not to mention figuring out what the right things to enforce are. Parents are in a tough spot. They have to raise humans from little babies, progressively teaching them the basics of humanity, and then slowly giving more and more freedom to these little developing humans with guidance so that by the time they're adults, they can be adults. And yet, they have to keep on doing all the other things that they do anyway, right? Like working and providing for themselves and staying healthy and all the other chaos. And at the same time, they have to try and massage the whole situation so that they're not holding on too tight and smothering their teenagers. It is challenging. And there's no YouTube channel that lays it all out there. The best we can do as parents is be out here reading whatever resource Pastor Chris recommends and doing our best, right? And half the time, our teenagers, I don't have any that are my own, but you wonderful teenagers that I spend so much time with, half the time you're wonderful people that love us, and the other half the time you're not so much. Or at least that's what it was like when I had a teenager living in my house. And Ephesians says to parents, don't provoke your children to anger. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. You know, it doesn't really feel fair. Doesn't Paul know how easy it is to anger children? My children are three and six, and I do it regularly. They aren't even teenagers yet. I'm an expert. The ESV uses the word exasperate, to irritate, to frustrate someone intensely. And I can tell you that's exactly what it was like learning stick shift from my father. It was exasperating. It was like torture. And I know that's not what he meant to do. He's just trying to teach me a life skill. It is challenging to raise teenagers. And if you're feeling that as parents, we see you and we recognize that. And yet what we're called to do is to practice training our children and looking for those those trigger spots and saying, I'm going to push you, but I know when it's too much. I know when I need to just give you some space. So don't make the needless requests. Don't make them do the things that will irritate them for no reason, although sometimes we want to because you deserve it. Don't do that. We are actually called to the opposite of exasperation. We are called to the opposite of exasperation. Parents, write that down. We want our kids to obey us. We don't want them to be frustrated and irritated by us because we are modeling the way that God loves them. We are modeling what a good father looks like. We want our kids to experience the blessing that comes with obedience, the promises that are here in Ephesians chapter 6 and in Deuteronomy. We want them to have a long life in the land and that things will go well with them. And honestly, as I was thinking about this passage, I was like, how does that promise even work? Obedience is not like a workout. It's not going to make my heart stronger so that I live longer. Obedience is not like a thing that makes uh, like an annual physical where it's like, well, you're obeying your parents, so we're going to give you another year. Like, how does this work? Why is this the promise that goes with it? I think honoring our parents, 
part of it is it involves learning wisdom from them and putting it into practice. Part of this is a proverb of just, if you learn from the wisdom of the people that went before you, you won't make the same mistakes and you'll actually get to live longer. You'll actually avoid some of the chaos that maybe they went through. That is certainly part of it. But not only does it give positive returns there, but honoring our parents, it teaches us how we're to honor God. Honoring our parents teaches us what it looks like to be children of the Most High. When we honor our parents, we are forming the habits and patterns that we use to honor God. In John chapter 14, it says this, Jesus says to his disciples, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Jesus reminds us that we show love by obedience. Obeying our parents is one way we practice our love of God, by obeying his command to obey. Love, honor, and obedience. They teach us love, honor, and obedience. When we love, when we honor, and when we obey our parents, we learn to do the same to God. And parents, when we model it, when we teach in a positive way, when we don't exasperate our children, we get it back as well and learn that God loves us like that, but so much more perfectly. Honor, love, and obedience teach Love, honor, and obedience. As we love each other and practice the mutual submission that we're called to as Christians in the book of Ephesians, as we learn to give deference to others and revere those who have sacrificed so much on our behalf, we can more easily slide into those same practices with the one who sacrificed the most on our behalf. Even as parents and as mentors and as teachers, as we model this, It reminds us how much God loves us and how good his plans are for us as well. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus puts it really well. He says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Parents, I know how much you love your teenagers. I work with people, some of them are parents and some of them aren't, who love teenagers. And it's amazing to me that we have a Father in Heaven who loves us exponentially more than that. When we recognize that, we are reminded how much God loves us and what it means. I mean, these people will sit through and play the very games that I described that are aimed at teenagers, but they'll do it as adults because they love teenagers. How much does God love you? They interrupt their regularly scheduled lives and sacrifice time and energy. They take late-night phone calls when necessary, but not after 9 p.m. because that's a rule. Because boundaries are important. And yet God loves even more than that. It just teaches us about the incredible love that the family of God has, that we have been adopted into. And so, in this family, we love each other. In this family, we love one another. As teenagers and as parents of teenagers, and as all of us, we can't forget that fact. That because we are adopted into the family of God, the reason we respond like this, man, we got to love each other. Whether you're a parent looking to help your teen become an adult, or a teenager trying to figure out how to live with the responsibilities you're getting and honor your parents at the same time, There's someone outside of that family unit just watching and being like, shoot, that's tough. I'm trying to do the same things. The answer is still to love one another. As followers of Jesus, we should be tripping over each other to give 
deference to each other. We should be pushing each other out of the way to say, no, how can I serve you? How can I bring more honor to you? How can I respect you more? And the best part is we do this at this church, especially for this demographic. It is hard to be an attender at ECC and not have heard about youth group and the way that we pour into our kids. It's hard not to hear about the retreats that we do and see people like in this room, there are many of you that work with young people or support their parents. We do this well for this age group. And I hope we continue to do that and do it even more for others as well. This is exactly what God calls us to do. Obeying our parents and honoring them, submitting to one another in love, and refraining from exasperating each other, that's what it looks like. It's loving one another. That's what Jesus is calling us to do. That's what Ephesians is calling us to do. And if we do that, we're going to experience the blessings that come with it. But the hard part is, it's easy for me to say, go, love each other. And then you go home and you're like, well, what does that look like here? What does that look like between a father and son? What does it look like between mom and her daughter? What does it look like in the parent-teenager situation? I can't give you all the answers, but sometimes it looks like giving teenagers space when they get home and not asking them immediately how their day was and to give you a rundown of everything. Because that might be exasperating. Sometimes it looks like hanging the keys back up on the rack when dad says, no, it's too late to take the car out tonight and not rolling your eyes or getting in a shouting match and just saying, okay. Sometimes it means saying, I don't agree with this choice, but I'll do it because you're my dad. Sometimes it's, I don't agree with this choice, but you've earned the right to make it because you've showed responsibility. So tonight you can't. And sometimes it's just saying, I'm sorry. And for those of you who aren't parents and don't have teenagers at home and aren't teenagers, sometimes it's just not looking shocked when you hear the stories about fireworks and late night drives and just saying, shoot, sounds tough. Because it is. But we're called to bear one another's burdens and submit to one another in love out of reverence for Christ. And so what else is there to say? God sees you in the midst of this season if you're a parent or a teenager. He knows what it's like, and he walks with you. He is with you every step of the way, whether you're doing it perfectly, which none of us are, or you're having a hard time. And so keep coming back to honoring God first and honoring one another, and we'll reap the blessings that he has for us. Let's pray. Father, as we sang just before this, God, we bring parents and teenagers at your feet in the name of Jesus. God, we bring all of this that we've talked about tonight at your feet in the name of Jesus because your body, the church, can be a house of miracles where the impossible thing of living out these commands can be actualized, where we can truly raise up young people together that know you and love you and understand what it is to honor not just their parents, but their God. And we can be parents that teach and show the way of Jesus. We can be leaders and mentors that show the way of Jesus without driving teenagers to anger. God, show us how to do that. Give us your spirit. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.